Welcome to the Self-Care Spotlight, presented by The Journal Deck, a product and brand rooted in self-care and living your truth. Hi, I'm Melissa Cousins, your host and The Journal Deck creator. Self-care might be a trendy word, but it's so much more than a Sunday. It's a lifestyle that can change your life. And in a world where we are more stressed than ever, we have to go deeper than occasional bubble baths and massages. Feel better, do better. This podcast is about getting to the heart of living your most aligned life against the backdrop of everyday life. Energy management, healing, radiance expansion, self-care elevated. Through my solo episodes and interviews with inspiring women who are just as likely to meditate as they are to curse. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to unapologetically take up space and make space. And remember, self-care can change the world by changing yours first. Are you ready? When we've experienced trauma, and so many of us have, we experience the world with a different nervous system. When we put additional stress and strain on our already compromised systems and without a consistent care practice, we run the risk of only re-traumatizing ourselves. Rita Johnston. Alyssa here, and welcome to the 2019 fall season of the Self-Care Spotlight Podcast. That officially means we are on to season four. And guess what? If you've ever wanted to chat with me on the phone, you can now give me a call. I have the coolest new feature for us to connect with this podcast. The Self-Care Spotlight now has its very own Google Voice Line. So you can drop me a voicemail with your feedback, questions, topic suggestions, guest suggestions, or even if you just want to say hello. I do not tolerate spam or hate, and I will not be giving out free coaching advice. This voicemail is a way for us to keep it even more real and connected to create the best possible show experience and elevate your self-care. This may show up in an episode, but I will be in touch to get your permission should I like to use your message. Okay, so the self-care spotlight voicemail is at 412-218-1229. Simply call on any device and leave me some love. Tell me about your aha moments from an episode, your favorite moment, a moment that made you laugh or cry. Tell me about a topic you would just love to learn more about, or tell me if there's something that we could do better at. I'm all ears, really. Just keep it kind. That's 412-218-1229. I made sure to choose a number that a lot of twos were in there because I love the number two. It's been my lucky number since I was like a little girl, maybe since first grade. I can remember having a memory of lucky number two. The number also, it's right there in the show notes. So 412-218-1229. Aside from that, we are on to the fall season. 
And it's officially September. If you are listening to this, the month it comes out. And energetically, September is the sign of Virgo, which is also the sign of the healer and the virgin. But not virgin as in sex. Virgin as in sovereignty, wholeness. And this season, we're diving into the theme of healing. Healing to bring you back into the wholeness that has always been there. To live as your highest self, with a capital S, for the greatest good of all. Starting with you. Now, I already recorded a tidbit of this month's healing theme before I got my genius idea for the voicemail that I had to tell you guys about. So without further ado, on to Season 4, Episode 1. Hey guys, and welcome to the fall season. I think that this is going to be a season that has a lot to do with healing. Healing on all levels, holistically and as well as wholeness. Um, I have some guests planned, one of which we're going to be hearing from today, that just are doing the work in this world to elevate us through healing. And when you think of the word healing, I think a lot of us have a lot of thoughts around that means and maybe it feels like a really heavy topic. I want us to see this as not so heavy. I mean, yes, the things that we are healing from might be heavy, but healing itself, we are working towards the light. There will be moments, of course, during these healing journeys that are going to be arduous, right? But what these teachers that I'm going to have on the show this fall season and maybe some solo episodes that I do, this is about elevating you. This is about elevating you to your highest self and doing that in a way that is through the body and the mind and truly looking at it as this whole holistic perspective. And I think that that's going to be kind of the thread of all of these episodes is truly the importance of the body and the mind and elevating both of those together and working with our energy and trauma, but knowing that it's all taking us to our highest selves so that we can serve on the highest level possible. And even if you're not in, like, you're like, oh, but I'm not in a life of service. Like, I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm not a coach. I'm not a this, I'm not a that. You still are in service to your family, to your children, to your work, to your community, to your friends. This is about elevating yourself by healing yourself. So that you can show up in your life and for those in your life to the highest degree possible. Plain and simple. It doesn't mean that you have to be a teacher or a coach or have a business. This is simply about being the best human possible. The best human having 
you know, the best spiritual being having a human experience possible in this lifetime. That is what this whole season is really going to be about. And in this first episode, we're really digging into the topic of trauma. And I know that that seems like, whoo, that is a heavy topic to like start a fall season with. But again, we have to be willing to go into those shadows of ourselves. You know, what is it, Rumi, that the wound is where the light enters, right? That you have to be willing to go in there and bring the light into the, the parts of you that hurt to get some big lessons, to, to learn things about yourself and other people and to be able to move through them, right? All of this is about moving through trauma in this episode to get to the other side of it. Not to bypass it, not to push it under the rug, not to pretend like you're okay, not to minimize your trauma and say, well, that's, you know, that doesn't count because it's not as bad of a trauma as someone else. It is fully seeing your traumas because we all have them. I learned that you know, in my training that I did, I talk about it a lot in today's episode. The timing of this was so on point because I had done a training on July 27th, the weekend of July 27th, a two-day continuing education yoga for trauma training. And then she reached out to me about wanting to talk about somatic experiencing for trauma release. And it was just all like being, I was being guided to talk about this. And we've all experienced trauma, rape or sexual abuse or being in a terrible car accident or your parents getting divorced or you going through a divorce, um, all the way to everyday smaller quote unquote traumas that we experience with, you know, a friendship dissolving or a boss blowing up on you and, and doing it in front of the whole office we can't really compare and say, well, that trauma is worse than that, right? We experience trauma. It all is, we have trauma in our lives. You don't get away from it as a human. And that's not to say like, oh boy, like that sucks for us. But to say that you have the power and the ability to move through it. Not just to move past it, but truly move through it and come to the other side and go into the light and elevate yourself and to be able to show up in your life and for other people again at the highest degree possible and that's what today's episode is really about is about that healing journey through trauma she specifically talks about somatic experiencing and we're going to talk a lot about what that means and I just love this conversation it was so on point for what's going on in my life how I want to show up and be able to lead my retreats that I do with women every August in the, the PA wilds. And I'm really grateful for this one. So with that being said, let me read her official bio so that you get to know Rita before we jump right into the conversation. Rita Johnston is a certified life coach and trauma-informed Reiki practitioner with a private practice in Seattle, Washington. She's the founder of Powerhouse Coaching, which focuses on caring for your whole self, emotional wellness, personal development, stress management, change, and building resiliency. She's made several radio and podcast appearances for her expertise in whole self-care and her approach to self-empowerment. Rita believes that you step into your power when you no longer let your past 
control your future. So, um, thank you for doing this then. If you're up so early, what is it? Seven o'clock there? It is. It is. So, yeah, it's 10 a.m. here. So thank you for waking up and <laughs> literally like going right to it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so honored and, and excited to be on with you. I love what you do so much. I, I see your posts and I'm just like, yes. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yes. So this is the self-care spotlight and uh, it seems that, you know, we've had so many, I have to tell you, like at this point, you'll be episode 80 something. So it, we've had a lot of episodes and I have to tell you when you had reached out and you said, I, you know, you, you said like a, a, you know, like a pitch, like, Hey, I have this idea. Let's talk about this. And I was reading it because to be honest, I get every single week, I get people that are reaching out that want to be on the show or people that are, you know, um, working for PR companies that are pitching their people. It's every single week at this point, which is so flattering. And it's that's so incredible. Cool. Yeah, that's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. It, it, it really is. And it's, it's somewhat is I've had to get used to it because I'm also having now to filter. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. I, I can't say yes to everyone because I don't even do this show anymore on a weekly basis. I do it on a monthly basis now. So the, you know, who I choose to bring on, it's very important to me because I want it to be curated for a certain theme, a certain, you know, my audience to get a certain message across. And there's just every week. I mean, it's every single week. So I have gotten a little bit picky in who I filter and bring in and who I even sometimes I can't respond to everyone, right? Because we can't respond to every single email. And I think that's yes. something that you learn. Yes. Yes. respond to every single email. It's not that you're, I think being rude, it's just a matter of, again, filtering and keeping yourself sane. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad about that at this point. So anywho, when you emailed me and said somatic experiencing and for trauma release, I had never, you know, I had, I think I've heard of it, not in the technical term of that label somatic experiencing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny that the first person I think that ever talked about it in a context that relates to it, I'm sure that you talk about it on a much deeper level, but I was reading a book by, um, Mama Gina, Regina Thomas, Thomas Hauser. I think mm -hmm. it's how you say her last name. Do you know her? No, I'm not familiar. Well, just full disclosure, her book that she's most notable for, it's called Pussy. <laughs> and it's, uh, it sounds like, oh my gosh, why did she name it that? It's actually, it's uh, right underneath that it says a reclamation. And it's really so much more than what that eye-catching title is about. But a part of what she talks about is this thing she calls swamping. Okay. Where she says, like, to embody your feelings so if you're angry, you like embody anger, yeah, things like that. And so that was really the first time I had ever heard of it was her. And she didn't go into super in-depth about it. It was just a part of the book. Um, but then I was recently at a trauma training. 
for yoga specifically, yoga for trauma. Mm-hmm. I think I told you. You I did, yes. So I went to that and then he briefly mentioned what you do. Mm. But it was, again, that wasn't the point of the training. We were specifically looking at it from a yoga context and the brain on stress and things. So it was like a brief passing by, but I noticed it. And I thought, I have to tell her that he brought that up. And I just want to know more about it. So truly, I'm excited. You're excited for being here. I'm excited to have you here. And so (laughs) learn about this because now it's like, okay, I'm putting the pieces together that it's cropping up and I'm seeing it, but no one's expanding upon it. Mm, And I want to know more. Kind of how I stumbled upon it, Alyssa, to be honest. Um, I knew that there was something deeper and I knew that a lot of the stress and the angst and the trauma, a lot of the patterns that I was, I was experiencing, I knew that there was a connection to my body and I didn't know what that was, but I knew that it was there. And uh, I, I, that's how I got into Reiki. I had a friend say, you know, you should really get into Reiki. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and so it stepped into that. And I'm like, this is amazing, yet I know that there's something else. There's something else going on in our bodies that we're holding, and I can't figure it out. And I actually was um, reading, what book was it? Uh, The Body body Holds Trauma, I believe. I can't remember. Oh, yes. It's... um... It's got a blue cover. The body knows or the body. Yes. It's super famous book. I can't believe I'm blanking on that right now, but yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. I will find it guys and I will put it in the show notes because I know what book she's talking about. I'll put it in the show notes. And I came across that book and I'm reading and I'm just like, this is it, which really led me to um, looking into somatic experiencing and enrolling in the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute here in Seattle. So basically it's a form of body-based trauma therapy and it's really focused on alleviating the symptoms of an activation in our nervous system, our fight or flight, that we haven't fully been able to discharge. We haven't fully been able to release and so it's um, in a sense stuck bound up energy in the body and it can happen from um, an acute experience it can happen from going to surgery and um, the the emotional trauma that comes with that it can come from uh, abuse from neglect it can show up as chronic stress because your body's not able to fully let go to fully release this this angst, this, this activation, this, you're, you're getting ready to, to protect yourself and then it gets stuck. And so when I, when I started to learn about that, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Yes. Okay. So first of all, are you talking about body keeps the score? Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. Okay. Body keeps the score, guys. I'll put it in the show notes. Secondly, okay, 
this is something that I was trying, what you just said, I was trying so much to wrap my, talking about the brain, trying to wrap my brain around the idea of energy getting stuck in the body, because you hear that a lot. And I was asking my trauma training teacher, his name is Jafar Alexander, mm-hmm. and he's from the DC area and loved him. And I was, I found myself getting confused to be quite honest, because the way it's, it's, it's it seems a little bit not a little bit, it, it seems complex in how he was, you know, we always hear in yoga, I'm a yoga teacher, they're always hearing people say, yoga gets stuck in the body, gets stuck in the hips. And then the way that he was describing it, he was saying, well, it's not really like, he was saying it's, the, the energy isn't like sitting in your hip. And he was trying to explain what's actually going on. And I found myself getting a little confused, but again, it wasn't the main point of our training. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to dwell and hold up the class, but I would love if you could in a not super jargony, but also I appreciate science, but I want to make it digestible. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a bit of when you say energy is like kind of getting stuck in places um, that it didn't move through and it's in the body. Mm-hmm. I know that that's kind of part science because the body is made up of energy. That is a fact. Everything is energy, but that there's also some, I'm sure some ancient like more philosophy type involved in that in terms of energy centers in the body. Can you kind of explain that in some type of digestible way, Rita? I can. So, um, if you imagine, we'll take a car accident, for example, and say you're driving down the road at 60 miles an hour and suddenly you hit the car in front of you and you just stop. That 60 mile an hour force is still going. It, it doesn't just stop when you hit the car. It has to disperse. So using that context in the body, um, you are in the car, you see this accident happen and immediately your body goes into fight or flight mode and you brace yourself, you try to control. So there's a lot of momentum mm-hmm. built up to protect yourself in this situation. That also needs to disperse and often when we say it gets stuck in the body, uh, what happens is we don't allow ourselves to fully process the experience of what happened. Mm -hmm. Our bodies might want to tremble and we will try to stop the trembling from happening. So that doesn't get dispersed. It, that, um, momentum that you've built up, that trembling sensation, it's still in your body. Um, the anxiety that built up didn't, wasn't able to, you weren't able to fully process and allow yourself to say, okay, I'm okay. I made it out. And so you relive the experience over and over and over creating the same sensations, somatics sensations in your body 
creating that same. So you might have something in, in your relationship show up that your body will, it'll create the same activation in your body as say the car accident. And mm-hmm. so you're, you may start to notice that when you argue with your partner, your body starts to tremble and you try to shut that down. And really what that is, your body's trying to complete the cycle. And maybe for whatever reason, this argument with your partner triggered the same sensations in your body as the car accident. And I'm just using two random examples, but that's how it often shows up is it will show up in our life in all of these different ways, seemingly not related to anything but as we start to do work together it is related it's because the sensations that you're feeling in the body mirror something else that you've been through Mm. another experience that you've had and when we start to feel those um those sensations those feelings in our bodies we get afraid and we want to shut it down right part of what i do is rebuilding that connection with yourself holding space and letting you know it is okay. Let your body tremble. It is okay. Go ahead and cry. Release it. So I think here's what I'm hearing. Tell me if this is like a good understanding. Mm -hmm. It sounds like to me, and, and also based off of what I learned in my training, is that it's like we're that again, that car accident, it was a traumatic event, right? Right. We go into total sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. fight or flight. I mean, we are literally like the stress hormones, everything is getting you out to be out to, to stay alive. And so we're in the sympathetic nervous system, i.e. the place we go when we get whether it's chronic low level stress or extreme levels of stress, like I just got in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So we kind of, what you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, is if the body's keeping score, relating back to that book, then we are getting stuck in that sympathetic nervous system in a sense where we are not, because we're not processing and really moving through what happened to us Therefore, we're stuck in that sympathetic nervous system, maybe not to as high of a degree of stress as that day when we, right. you know, the car got hit, but okay. it's come down, but it certainly hasn't gone down to say parasympathetic or close to homeostasis level of a balanced nervous system. And so we continually feel that stuckness. We feel low energy. We feel... Um, trigger pain. Yeah. We feel triggered by situations that are stressful. Yes. So it doesn't yes. have to match the exact car accident, but stress is stress. Exactly. Just like how the body doesn't know the difference between being chased by a lion or I want to quit my job. It's all fear. Yes. Does that mean, is that, am I understanding it? Exactly. Yep. You got it. And it's, it's reconnecting with those feelings, that fear, that stress, and identifying how is this showing up? Mm. How is it showing up in my body? And giving the space to identify it, name it, process it. Um, and it doesn't, and the activation 
in the nervous system, depending on the situation, will create freeze. So some people will completely right. freeze up in all of these other areas. So yeah, absolutely. You've, you've got it, Alyssa. Right. Because there's the four fours, the freeze, free, wait, no, flee, freeze, faint, or fight, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yay, Jafar Alexander, you did a good job. <laughs> you taught me well. <laughs> so I feel like we only ever talk about flight or I can't bleh. <laughs> flight or fight. I, that's the one we always talk about, but I love that you said freeze. Absolutely. Freeze is one that actually comes up a lot with with people and with my clients. It's like, especially in relationships. That's another way, freezing in communication, uh, not being able to find the words that you want to say or that you need to say in the moment because your system got so completely activated that that was it, shutdown mode. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's an excellent point. We, yeah, when we don't know what to say or we get in a hard conversation with our partner and we just feel like, I'm just going to shut down and just not talk. And you hear people say that a lot, like they want to talk to their partner, but their partner is, their partner is shutting down and yes. they're not communicating with them. They're, they feel like they're not even in the room with them. And it's, it's like, they're talking to a brick wall. You hear all of those, right? All the time. It's a literal shutdown. It's a literal freeze. Their system has, they're unable to. Right. And what I found was so fascinating is that knowing and understanding that a part of that is, it's just a mechanism of, of survival and that it's literally your brain, right? Like you're, when you're stressed, your ability to also comprehend mm -hmm. lessons. Yeah can't understand as much. So when you're like really, you know, like when you're, you get in a really stressful spot and you feel like you can't focus and you're like, you're tripping over your words. It's like, literally there is a stress response happening in your body. That is all of those things, like you said, are just shutting down. And yet it's like, we berate ourselves for having this natural reactant reaction to stress but we're also built that way to protect us. We just kind of have to know how to come out of that space, which is where you come in. Yes, yes. And in the body, I love that you said that. And our systems process a raging boss the same way that we would uh, if we were hiking and an animal came out. You know, it's, it's our, our bodies, they don't know the difference. And so, yeah, being able to, because the brain is going to feed the body, is going to feed the brain, is going to feed the body, and it is going in and helping to break that, that cycle and helping to calm the system down and give the system other ways to process what's going on and to discharge what's going on. Mm -hmm. The first person that I ever heard that in the context that made sense to me was Liz Gilbert. Mm. Have you read Big Magic? I have. Yeah. I just also finished up uh, Eat, Pray, Love. I swear I would never read it. And I did. And it was really good. But yeah. Yes, there's there's, there's a reason it was such a big book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big Magic for me was the first time when she 
explain fear in that regard that it's natural it's going to come up like you don't need to push it away you don't need to berate yourself for feeling it and also that she said like you said it doesn't know the difference between a boss that is chewing you out and an actual life-threatening situation like your mind and body is responding in the same exact way yes yes so you mentioned I'm loving this conversation already. Like I, this is just so perfect. The timing of this with my training, I just did it literally on July 27th. So this is so on point. Um, you mentioned like trembling, shaking. Yes. So this is something that I've also started looking more into mostly because I am a big fan of dancing and not that, you know, dancing is necessarily shaking. They are two different things. But the idea of this movement, of moving things through by moving the body. And I was looking into things like dance therapy and um, TRE, um, trauma release exercises and things that they do, especially for people with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so trembling specifically and like sh- that idea of shaking, what is that, what is that doing? releasing the the energy that's been stored if if someone let's use the example of the car accident again someone was in a car accident 10 15 years ago and um, they went through the accident they went through it alone resilient one of the the key factors of being able to bounce back resiliency is having a support system Mm-hmm. So you went through the car accident and you're alone, or let's say you were in an abusive relationship and you didn't have a way out for years, or there's childhood abuse or trauma or whatever, and it's been going on either one time again or, or long term, it's built up in the body. So when you start to connect with the sensations that you've been feeling and you're like, oh, that's what that is. It's, it's um, often trembling does happen. It's, it's a discharge. It's releasing what's been bound up in the nervous system. It's allowing the nervous system to fully complete the activation and then deactivation cycle because it is a cycle. We constantly activate, deactivate our nervous system throughout the day, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. But it's these, these, events that have these lasting effects on us that we don't fully complete the cycle. And so the trembling, the shaking oftentimes is really just your, your nervous system's way of, of completion. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, when I was reading about it, it was saying, you know, after a zebra is chased by a lion, it, it, it shakes. Yes. It trembles and it's, and then it goes on with its day. It literally, it was like, and then the zebra frolics off. With. <laughs> yeah, that's how, Dr. Peter Levine. Uh, he's the one that uh, re- is the founder of somatic experiencing. And that was part of his research and part of how he was able to make the connection to the body. His question was, why is it that animals that are in the jungle every single day, I mean, life-threatening situations, they're in these constantly and they're not traumatized. And yet us as humans are, what's going on here? And he did make the connection of they, 
the animals, the zebra allows itself to fully process what just happened by shaking it off, by, by not getting up and, and trying to immediately jump off. It processes the situation, the experience that just happened. And us as humans, we often don't. Mm-hmm. We often want to continue to to push through or it's not that bad or other people have it worse or, you know, we, we want to shove it down. And in a sense, that's what we do. We shove it in our bodies. We shove it in our nervous system. And if we don't address it, it can become a long-term problem. Right. I think it's interesting that within the, you know, animal kingdom, we have these amazing, big, beautiful brains that are, you know, the most developed and the big human brains. But I think that in some ways, because of the fact that we can, the way that we can process trauma and the way that we can stay stuck in like our prefrontal cortex and and, and really just like not let ourselves almost be in that animal brain for a little bit longer and and just let our those instincts take over we like try to in a sense it feels like almost override them with our our human brain yeah 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 exactly i was like how do i say this but we have an this brain is amazing you know it's big and it's it's you know certainly more developed than these other and than the zebra and things but in some way, it, I can see how it really can hinder us in, in, in processing that trauma. And I think it was his article. I was reading it, I think, actually, now that you say that on the website for it, when I was doing some research on the somatic experiencing was where I read about the zebra and the lion. And I have to tell you, Rita, it really got me also because I recently, it was a little more than five months ago, um, lost my three-year-old dog and I'm I'm not gonna try not to Mm. um so I was really honest about that and I did a whole me and my husband like we did a whole podcast on it afterwards when we were like had the space to actually try to talk about it and it was obviously unexpected be it that she was so young Mm um but we wanted to talk about grief and moving through it, how we were processing it and actually talk about it because people don't even really address it as like, cause it's just an animal, right? It's just a pet. It's not a human, but it was just as traumatizing. Yeah. And um, I remember her shaking at the end, like so much. And we thought she was cold mm. and we kept putting blankets on her because she'd lost weight. She'd lost 20 pounds and, we thought she's cold. She's cold. We'll put blankets on her. And I didn't know that it was cause her body was in such a stressful state. Yeah. Um, that it was like, she was shutting down. And so the body was trying to calm the nervous system doing exactly this, you know, doing the, the process of releasing all of the trauma that she was going through and being so sick. Yeah. And I just didn't know because I didn't know about the trembling and the shaking. And I remember asking the doctor, the vet, like, why is she shaking? What's wrong? Like, is she cold? Like, I don't know how to help her. And he actually didn't give me an answer. He, he didn't tell me. Like, if he would have been you and would have said, hey, this is just normal. Like, she's just being an animal and her instincts are taking over. 
and she's trying to calm her nervous system down because she's, her body's so stressed right now. That would have been so relieving to hear that, you know, like she was just being a dog. She was being an animal. It can be scary. And yeah, I think it is important to like, just let people know it's completely part of the process. Yeah. I, I would have loved to in that moment have heard that because I kept trying to fix it. Yeah. That's what we do. We want to fix it. Yeah. I we just fix it. I do. Sometimes, yeah. We just need to let it be and let it, let nature, let, let it naturally happen. It'll fix itself. We don't always have to fix it. Right. Right. I, I absolutely can <laughs> firsthand experience with that with her was she was just moving. It was just, she was, that was her body. That it was doing what it was supposed to do. And me putting a blanket on her wasn't, it might've made her feel more safe perhaps, but it wasn't because she was cold. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, indeed. Indeed. Actually, um, I had a very similar experience in 2014 when I, when I started doing this work, started looking into trauma and the body and I had to face some, some toxicity that I had in my life, some toxic relationships. And I remember having this phone call and it was one of the toughest phone calls that I have ever made where I was standing in my worth and standing in my truth and I was putting up boundaries and I, and I was saying, I, I can no longer accept this in my life. And it was really scary. It was really scary, Alyssa. It was so scary to stand in my truth in that moment. And what I remember after that conversation was the incredible shaking. Mm. I hung up the phone and I could not stop shaking. And my husband was piling on the blankets. He did the same thing because we didn't know at the time. We didn't know. And he's piling on the blankets. So I'm laying in the bed and I'm shivering, and I'm shaking, and I'm not cold, but I, I can't stop shaking, and I've got five blankets on me. And later, what I realized, same thing, I had such activation, such fear, having this conversation with this toxic person, creating these boundaries. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was afraid, but I did it. And so that that angst, that anxiety that I had built up to have this conversation needed to be discharged. Mm. Yes. Yes. I wonder, so I don't know if this is related. Do you know whenever you take, you know, whenever you take a yoga class mm -hmm. and at the end you notice that sometimes like your body just starts moving, like maybe a hand will move or something like will involuntarily yep. go. Yep. Is that related? It could be. It could be. Mm. And yoga, that's one of the things that I love about yoga is the movement, the connection to the body and getting that energy to move. And so I notice that too sometimes when I'm done is I'll just have those like sporadic movements and I love it. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, okay, that's going. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And also I will say this. Um, sometimes 
what I believe happens is the person is actually disconnected from their body. Oh, yes. In yoga. And they may not realize it or the instructor may not realize it. And so I think sometimes those involuntary movements could be a, the opposite. It could be, hey, this is something that needs to be looked at. Mm. Or, you know, what was that movement? Yeah. Where did it start from? Where do you, where, you know, do you, what did you notice when, when the movement happened? So I think it really just depends. It's hard to be like, yes, that's it or no, that's it. But it could be it very much. I think with yoga, I mean, we have to be mindful that it is so much about the body and the breath connection in yoga, mm-hmm. which is also why I love it. And I'm loving it even more now learning all about this trauma training. It's like, yes, ah, this is why I do this. It was so validating. Yeah. But also that I think if we're doing yoga just for the sake of, I'm going to go get my fitness class in like mm-hmm. mindlessly. Oh, that like hurts my heart to think of people being like, I'm just going to go to that power yoga class. Cause I just want to like push and, you know, like they're not, they're missing the point. Yeah, I was just about to say they're missing out. They're missing out. Yeah. I feel for those people because I just want to be like, I just want to take them very gently, like put their hand in my, in between my, their hand, their face in between my hands and just be like, just <laughs> like, you're missing the point, love. Like you're missing the point. <laughs> let's connect to what's going on. Let's um, let's let's build sensory awareness through yes. this yoga process. We're taking such a Western <laughs> masculine attitude and we just plug it into our practice sometimes. Yeah, we plug it into our life sometimes. Well, a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <sighs> All right. All right, deep breath. Um so, okay, what then, Rita, are you, how do you guide people then to, like, what are some examples of, if I'm doing somatic experiencing, what might you do? Can you give me, like, a, a, an example of what might you do to use those techniques to move through trauma, to move it out? Yeah, so it works the same via Skype as it does in person, as long as I can see the person and and see their movements and their breathing. And I'm also tracking their nervous system and noticing if their heart rate increases and things like that. So typically it just looks like a conversation like we're having Alyssa and I'm just noticing the cues that their body gives that they might not pay attention to. And I bring awareness to it. And I say, you know, I noticed that when you were talking about your partner, you started to uh, do this self-soothing with your hands. Can you tell me about that? And so I'm bringing awareness to what they were thinking and what their body did so that they can make the connection. And sometimes it's nothing, but more often than not, it is something. And so then it's guiding them through through that, why are your hands doing that? You know, that's not what I say, but that's, that's what we're trying to get to is, is noticing what 
cues your body wants to give you and mm. allowing it to happen. So where, where are you, what are you feeling in your body? Where are you noticing that sensation? Do you notice it anywhere else? Uh, what does that feel like? Uh, if someone is doing uh, something that's harmful, say pulling their hair out whenever they find themselves in a stressful situation, I might say, you know, if you tried this, uh, is, is, is there a different sensation that you feel in your body? What if you tried this? Does that give you the same sensation as what you were just doing a minute ago? Uh, does, it, does, does the feeling that you have have a shape or a color? Does it have a beginning or an end? So it's just bringing awareness and building a relationship with the things that we do. Often we're so disconnected that we just don't even realize these, often they're self-soothing techniques that we do to calm ourselves down and our bodies naturally do them. So is it more, is it more talk therapy? Is it more embodiment practices? Is it a mixture? It's a mixture. So we do a little bit of chatting and I'm noticing how your body responds to the things that we're talking about, mm -hmm. the emotions that you might be feeling. And I'm bringing your awareness to your body. And I'm also helping you come up with tools, techniques to be able to enjoy what you're doing because it's actually something that helps soothe you when you're, when you're, uh, bodies, your system's been activated when you're uh, high stress, when you're anxiety, so that you can then take that and use that in like everyday life. And if you're doing something that is maybe more of a detriment, I'm helping you find an alternative. So it's, it's bringing awareness, giving you tools to be able to use the resources around you, use your body, use your mind. It's building this connection between the two. And then we do some energy work as well to kind of help seal the deal. And so it's a, it's a little bit of both. So what would it be like? It's okay. <clears throat> Is it like, okay, so you're saying you're doing kind of the top talk therapy, almost approach where you're talking about it and you're noticing things about their, their, their nonverbal communication, things like that. And say you pick up that, like you said, maybe that they're rubbing their hands and they're not even realizing like that they're rubbing their hands and that's not a detrimental self-soothing thing. So then you might say, okay, do you, did you notice like that you're doing that? So then you would recommend the next time you find yourself in a stressful situation, maybe intentionally to do that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Yep. So that's, that's the short of it. Yeah. So it's bringing awareness identifying the sensations that you were feeling in your body or the things that you were thinking about or the emotions that were coming up for you that caused that trigger for you to rub your hands. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, if it's not a detriment, if it is noticing, because if you don't notice that that's something that you do to help yourself feel better, then you're not going to use it to help yourself feel better when you need it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, have these self-soothing techniques 
that we maybe have been shamed for in the past or we feel guilty about or no one else does them. And so we try to hide them. And it's like, no, you're, that's your way of making yourself feel better. Do you have any examples of that that you've noticed with clients? Most people actually will start to rub the tops of their thighs. So uh, if you can think of a time when you were nervous or angstful or in sort of a stressful situation, maybe that will come to mind. A lot of people will do that. They'll rub their thighs. A lot of people will start to sway and won't even recognize that they're swaying. And so it's just bringing it like, hey, I noticed that that you started swaying a minute ago. Can you tell me about that? Oh, I was just thinking about da 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 da. Interesting. So what else do you notice when you're thinking about, you know, da 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 da, whatever you're thinking about? Oh, I noticed that my heart started to race and I started to get really angstful. And so then we, we start to go there. Mm, okay. That makes a lot of sense. And it's the idea that if it is not, like you said, if you're not say pull like literally people that are pulling their hair out or something like that, Mm -hmm. which is more of a detrimental self-soothing practice, or even so far as cutting themselves, something that is clearly detrimental. Yeah. Um, if it's not on that end of the spectrum, the not shaming yourself for, or stopping yourself for that matter from doing something that feels natural. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I get that. I get that. And it doesn't even have to be those big movements. I mean, sometimes it's so minor and that's, that's just a part of the training and what it is that I get to do. But it's, again, it's the awareness, Hmm. building that relationship with yourself on that deeper level, your body, making the connection. Absolutely. I'm all about I have massive respect for the brain, but I am fascinated with how the body is so important to the brain. And it, like it is just, and also I'm a movement teacher. So I just, I love it. I love having people be aware of their own bodies and, and, and really having ownership of their bodies and knowing your own body because it's your vessel, right? Yeah. You got to know it. So and it's funny because I'm thinking of my husband right now because he totally has, I know his telltale sign when he's, <laughs> I know it. You can be like, hmm, tell me about that. <laughs> I know it so well. And like he, he knows it too. And he does it. And he, you know, I know I can see it when he's stressed and he does it every single time. Yeah. And his mom said that he's done it since he was little. And it's just his thing. And so I know if I see him do that, I'm like, oh, Brad's about to, he's going to lose yeah, it. <laughs> he's trying to soothe himself. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Yeah, it's yeah, so many things. Yeah. I love it. And it's when we bring that awareness into our day-to-day life and it just helps so much in our relationships. It helps our partners understand us. You know, my, my partner, my husband, he knows my cues as well. And I know his, it helps when we're at work, it just, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful to get to watch people step into themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes. I really, I, I feel like I get that on a, a deeper level that, you know, 
when people say like knowing your partner, being able to like read them, being able to read a room, being able to be in a conversation with someone and being able to pick up on cues that they might not be saying, yeah, but that are much more subtle. You know, I think that it really speaks so much to the power of nonverbal communication and the body and, and how impactful it is. And it seems that in a day and age where we are so technological and we are so screen focused, mm-hmm. I can imagine that it's just, it's, well, I know that it is based on research that you look at that those nonverbal skills and that interpersonal communication, being able to look at someone's eyeballs. I mean, it's really getting much more challenging for these future generations and us as well. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that you feel that way. Yeah, I do. And it's one of, I believe the reasons that people work with me, I hear it all the time um, is that connection, you know, and I, so Reiki is, it's hands-on often. And what I do is I, I ask people each and every session, you know, how comfortable are you? Are you comfortable if it's an in-person session versus a Skype session? Would you like to sit in the chair or lay on the table? And they're like, no, I totally want to lay on the table. I'm like, great. Would you like me to actually hands-on lightly touch you? Or would you like, listen, people don't like touch. Right. Everyone's like, no, the touch, being held, being loved on. We want this connection. We're wired for this connection. We need it. Going back to animals, we're not meant to be alone. Yeah. No, we're not. We are, I mean, hello, like what is that? Oxytocin, right? Is the hormone of belonging, isn't it? I think it is. I think because that's the one that goes off when you have a baby is oxytocin and it helps the mother bond and the baby bond. I'm pretty sure. I think it's the hormone of belonging. I'm pretty sure. I was reading another book that was all about the brain and it was in depth talking about all of our happy hormones. Mm -hmm. I was talking about when a mother has a baby and that they, this hormone that's released to help them bond. And yeah, we're certainly not meant to go at things alone, which again is I think another thing that we were already talking about, which is like, if you have a traumatic event, you think I'm like you said, I'm just going to push through it. I'm going to stop the shaking. I'm going to stop the the self-soothing. I'm just going to go back to work and I'm fine. And I love, there's that, what is that movie? Is it the Italian job where I think it's the Italian job. It's an older movie. It's like from early 2000s. And she says, fine means freaked out, insecure, neurotic. and (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're actually freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> yeah. we, need, we have some things to talk about. We yeah. have some things to process. We need support. We need support. And it's not yeah. weak. And I think that we're slowly are embracing that more. I do think that. Um, but I think a lot of times we end up waiting too too long to find that support or those outlets to get that support. Um, and then we, you know, we implode and then we're like, Oh, maybe I should have asked for help a little sooner. Right. Yep. I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. And there's simple things we can do. I mean, 
stimulating the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is oh yes huge in doing this work. And I tell people just in the shower, let the water run over your spine and just feel it. Just take a few minutes there. I mean, just give yourself just a few minutes. Yes. We learned so much about that nerve. Is it pronounced, is it pronounced vagus? I pronounce it vagus, but I also have a really weird East Coast Southern uh, enunciation inflection. So I'm not sure. I pronounce it vagus. I've heard it like Vegas, but like spelled not like Vegas, but I don't know what's what. It's spelled, guys, V-A-G-U-S. If you're like, I want to look that up. Like, what is that? Um, it's a very important nerve, guys, and it's literally a whole other conversation. So I feel like we can't even go down that wormhole. It's its its own podcast, truly, and it's a part of what I learned a ton about. And yes, it's a very important nerve that is very central to your body and your mind and your nervous system. And look it up. <laughs> <laughs> And I love my teacher told us, he said, he was like, do you know why a sigh feels so good? Because when you sigh and you get that vibration in your throat, that uh, feeling, he's like, you're stimulating your vagus nerve, which is responsible for helping to calm your nervous system and activating that nerve. That's why it feels so good. And it blew my mind. I mean, I literally thought, I love sighing. Yeah. Like, feels so good. At the end of all of my classes, I have everyone take this gigantic sigh. In their my, my friends and I have this joke that they can always hear me coming before they can see me because they hear me sigh. Because they're always <laughs> sighing constantly. It does. It feels so good. Voo is another one that if you just voo, it, but like really, really deep. Um, it's that, vibrating. Yeah, that's also another one that will stimulate the vagus nerve. And that's something that, you know, you can just voo all day. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I can just see people right now at their desks when they're really stressed. Like, voo. (laughs) Yeah, but like deep, come from that diaphragm. Like an ohm. Yep. Yes. Yes. Right. Or humming. Guys, humming. Mm, right the hum yeah. is is very soothing um are all beautiful ways to reconnect to calm the nervous system to just really get in touch with your body and what you absolutely. feel beautiful do you mind rita if i ask you uh, i have i always like to kind of start to wrap things up with um, two things. I have one question that I want to ask you because it's a self-care spotlight. So I always ask one particular question. And then if it's okay with you, I would love to pull a journal deck prompt card for you. On this, I've been waiting to get my journal deck card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay, cool. First thing we'll, we'll end with that. So before we get to the journal deck card that you're highly anticipating, I love that. Because this is the self-care spotlight and, you know, everything we've been talking about is a part of self-care and truly radically taking care of yourself. What does self-care mean to you? 
Self-care to me is the essence of how you take care of yourself as a whole. Mm. The essence of how you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. As a whole, mind, body, brain, spirit. Mm. I love the word wholeness. Such a good word. Mm. Ah, okay, here we go. Let me let me get a card here for you. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that O was. Okay. I'm just thinking back to um, actually that you were when you were telling and sharing with us about that really challenging conversation that you had where you had to stand in your power. And I feel that this could be it or it could be something else. You don't have to name this person, of course. I would recommend that you don't. But... <laughs> It says, write in your journal today about, think of a person or people that have challenged you. What have they taught you? Of course I would get this card, Alyssa. Of course. <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> Can you read it one more time, please? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it in. Think of a person or people that have challenged you. What have they taught you? They taught me that it's okay for me to be me. They taught me to stand in my power, to stand in my truth, even in times of difficulty. Mm-hmm. And to, to find out what my truth is. Mm. Ah, that's a beautiful lesson. It is. I'm very grateful for it. And I think that's part of the reason when I wrote that prompt card is that those most challenging situations, which when we're talking trauma, traumatic events, those most challenging situations that Mm -hmm. yes, they are hard, but I think you would agree that we can learn so much from them if we can move through them in a healthy, mindful, respectful way. Yes, I agree. Taking a moment for a pause here. This is not for a typical ad break. This is about the journal deck. So Rita literally just answered a prompt question from the OG, the original journal deck. And you might not know this, maybe you do, but we have a journaling starter package, as we call it, and it's totally free. It includes five hand-selected journal prompt worksheets from our OG journal deck and a printable self-care calendar to help your new habit stick right? Because it's one of the first things people tell me is, I can't seem to stay with my journaling. I get it because it's a new habit for many of us that we're trying to form, but habits are built through repetition. So you'll have a printable self-care calendar to help you track all of your self-care, especially your journaling. And I picked out five journal prompt questions from our OG journal deck 
that I thought would be great to start you off and I put them into worksheet form. Everyone loves a printable worksheet, right? And you get both. You get the five hand-selected worksheets with the prompts plus a printable self-care calendar and it's all yours for free. How do you get it? Super simple. I have the link in the show notes or you can go to thejournaldeck.com forward slash starter package. Starter hyphen package. Thejournaldeck.com forward slash starter hyphen package. <sighs> Thank you so much for this conversation, Rita. Oh, Alyssa, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for your podcast, for the journal deck, for all that you do. Oh, okay, girl. You have to tell everybody, where can they find you? You can find me on my website, ritajohnston.com. You can find me Instagram and Facebook, rita.johnston on both. And that's Rita, R-E-I-T-A, spelled a little different. R-E-I-T-A. Yes. Johnston with a T. Okay. Um, fun question that I want to wrap it up with here, okay? All right. I like to leave it kind of light because I'm all about the light. I'm like total light worker. Light. Yes, we honor the dark and we move toward the light. Yeah. So milk chocolate or dark chocolate are not a chocolate fan. I used to not be a chocolate fan and I started eating chocolate after I had my daughter. (laughs) I'm milk chocolate all the way. All the way. All the way. Yes. Don't even bring dark chocolate in the room. Just you keep it for yourself. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like my husband. Oh yeah. I'm like, I'm over here like dark chocolate. And he's like, you bought dark chocolate. That's me. Yeah. I'm my family's the dark chocolate and I'm the milk chocolate. Perfect. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you, Alyssa. Okay. Do you see how talking about trauma is really, it's talking about healing. So yes, trauma, when you hear that word, might sound dark, it might sound heavy, and it, and it is, but we also do it and work through it and with it and look at it and talk about it to move to the light, to move to healing, because we all have trauma. We all do. But we also all have the capacity to heal ourselves and come back to our wholeness, which never left us, ever, and never can. Thank you as always for listening. And don't forget about the fun new feature that we have here with this podcast, our Google Voice line. Give me a call, 412-218-1229. That number along with the Journal Deck Starter Package is in the show notes, 412-218-1229. So leave me a voicemail, leave me some love. Tell me a favorite moment, an aha, and I can't wait to hear from you. I swear I'm going to be checking that voicemail. <laughs> I can't wait to like actually hear your guys' voices. 
Of course, it's always wonderful to also see you tagging me on Instagram at the journal deck or at Alyssa Cousins with your favorite moments and thoughts and, you know, leaving reviews on iTunes. These are all big, beautiful ways for you to tell me what you love about the show and why do you tune in every month to the self-care spotlight and it does mean something to me so that I can help curate a beautiful show to truly elevate your self-care and make your day a little brighter and a little more uh, calm and also wise and fun maybe too. So with that being said, give me a call. (laughs) That sounds so funny to say. And I'll talk to you soon. See you next month.